0: Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Taylor Goldberg. Taylor and I, um, we got in touch because we have mutual friends. She's out in San Diego, California, living the dream, doing her thing. Uh, Taylor, how are we doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Um, So we got put in touch through a mutual friend um and then i actually was a little hesitant to reach out to you because i was just like i this girl has no clue who the fuck i am i have no idea who she is i don't know if she's gonna be down but you know from what i heard about you i was like you got some interesting stories so i want to get you on um so for people that don't know you that listen um if you wanted to give a little like intro or explanation about who you are what you do yeah
1: absolutely um so, yeah, like you mentioned, my name is Taylor Goldberg. Um, I'm out here working for a building materials company. Um, I'm an account manager down here in Southern California, and I also cover Hawaii. And, yeah, I feel like that's pretty much – I don't know what else you'd want me to know or say.
0: <laughs> do you get the chance to go to Hawaii? Like, with I do,
1: yeah. I actually get to go there once oh. a quarter starting in 22.
0: So you can go – wait, is the opportunity once a quarter like you pick or every quarter you get to go?
1: Um, once a quarter they do want me going out there starting as early as January next year
0: damn going to hawaii four times a year <laughs> you have it. and you're living in san diego you actually live a really rough life i'm sorry yeah
1: it's a terrible career <laughs> let me tell you getting paid to live in san diego and travel to hawaii pretty often is
0: rough. yeah so we were talking briefly before we started you're originally from central pennsylvania correct correct and, um, and then you, what was the reason, like, cause you worked for a good portion um, of your early career in New York city. Like what led you to New York city and like, what were you doing out there?
1: Yes. Uh, so the company that I previously worked for, um, you know, I did an inside sales role post college graduation for them um, actually in my hometown in central Pennsylvania. So usually in an inside sales role, they try to groom you to be an outside sales manager. And that's exactly what I had gone through. Um, but unfortunately, the only opportunity that was available for me at the time was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I mean, I'm open minded, but I had no interest in going to Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, um, you know, they said, we need you to make a decision because we don't really know how to help you grow in our company when this was the path. And thankfully, right before the expiration of, that decision needing to be made came up. Um, They posted for a brand new account manager in New York City, working with um, contractors and GCs. So I printed that out, took it to my manager, and was like, this is the job I want. This is what I'm doing. And she thought I was crazy. You know, if anyone understands what it's like working in commercial construction in New York City, it is rough. Um, But that's pretty much how I got there. You know, I interviewed And I was so excited. And then I went to New York and had the absolute time of my life. You know, it it was a great opportunity. I never saw myself living in New York City. I mean, I was not the girl who had that dream. But to have (laughs) had that experience and gone there and, you know, really found myself. I mean, I don't regret a day of it. I miss New York all the time.
0: What is the biggest conception misconception about new york city because i have a couple buddies that live there now and then i just recently had someone on the podcast that lived in new york city for i want to say like almost 15 years and they say that like what you expect new york to be like is the polar opposite and they couldn't imagine like being anywhere else once they're like there um obviously you didn't want to live there the rest of your life but the time that you were there you obviously had a great time and you missed it so like from your experience, what's the biggest misconception about New York City for outsiders?
1: That there's too many people. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you tell someone, have you ever thought about moving to New York? And they're like, absolutely not. It's so crowded and loud and so expensive. And you can just tell that their idea of New York City is the middle of Times Square, which, in my opinion, is hell on earth.
0: So I agree. It, I hate it's going just there.
1: hard. <laughs> um, but, you know. The one thing that I love about New York and people say it all the time is that there's truly nothing else in the world like it. And everyone in New York City is so different and they all have their own story. And one of the best things that New York taught me was that you can live amongst international cultures, you know, people of all different races, ethnicities, ages, and live peacefully and mm-hmm. function at you know, a very high level. And I think that that was the best part about New York City was that for the first time in my life, not that I ever needed this, but for the first time in my life, I genuinely believe that whoever I was, was welcome, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was awesome. So people think of New York as, you know, this crazy, busy, loud and overpriced city. And to an extent, yeah, those things are true, but they're more so not true.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, my buddy Joe, one of my best friends, he just moved there. He's uh, working with the FBI now and he he said that he was not that he was hesitant about it. He cuz he knew, he's been in New York a couple times and stuff like that, but since living there, he's always like texting me being like, "Hey, you should get a job down here. You come on, move down here. I got an extra room and stuff like that." And he says that like he's never ever bored. There's always things to do. And he said uh, the biggest shock to him was, even though he knew how cultured it was, he didn't really understand until he lived there, like, how cultured New York City is.
1: Yes, and actually, to your point, so um, my sister lives in the city. She's mm-hmm. been there for almost 12 years. And when I moved to New York, I mean, yeah, she's technically four miles away from me, but that's, you know, 45 minutes in a car and well over 45 minutes via train. Yeah. So, um, when I graduated college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, I went and visited her and a lot of her friends were, you know, trying to convince me you're in this very like influential part of your life. This is the opportunity to make a jump to a place like this and really just explore everything. And I mean, like anyone else, I I thought that idea was absolutely crazy. Mm
0: -hmm. So when the
1: job opportunity presented itself, it kind of took that as a sign to, you know, try and, About a month before I moved into the city, I traveled to northern New Jersey for a work meeting to kind of meet my team and understand, you know, what we do every day. And after sitting in that meeting for hours, I mean, the pace and the volume of the work ahead of me was so overwhelming. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this, you know? And so I was like driving back. It was like the cloudiest day of the year. And as I was on the interstate passing, you know, lower Manhattan, the clouds just decided to clear away for like a whole 30 seconds, you know? And I saw Phi Dai and I saw the Freedom Tower and I just filled with goosebumps. And I just knew in that moment that I was exactly where I needed to be and that this was going to be the most amazing adventure of my young life. I was like, holy crap, I'm moving to New York City and I'm gonna kick some ass. Mm-hmm. And I did, and it was it was so great. Like New York is, in unexplainable love it's
0: it's phenomenal speaking of kicking ass i was gonna bring this up later but i just figured it's perfect for what you just said um you used to be a ufc amateur fighter and you got into that because you accidentally caught hands from someone (laughs) mistakenly so like how you want to talk about that a little bit like what because when you told me that i was like what the fuck like it but (laughs) i wasn't that off like in terms of like me being like what the fuck because i did tell um alexis after we talked i was just like that girl has a little like uh spice to her like she's i could just tell she's no bullshit so like it made perfect sense like after you told me that
1: well thanks um yeah that's it's one of my favorite stories so uh yes as i'd mentioned before it was like late 2016 early 2017 um one of my childhood tv star crushes ed westwick also known as like chuck bass from gossip girl was doing some fight training for a movie he was filming and i saw him on instagram uh doing mitt work with a trainer Mm -hmm. and i thought that is like the coolest thing ever um so i actually joined a fight gym in my hometown which i don't believe is actually open anymore and when i moved to new york city It's a lot harder, it was a lot harder at that time um, to find a good fit for a boxing gym because boxing was so commercialized. You know, they weren't fight gyms, they were like boxing cardio classes. Yeah. So I joined a gym which had like contractor trainers, which UFC does. So UFC brings in like contractor trainers where they work under that name, um, but they can essentially like, you know, have their own rates, whatever. So I was taking a class at a UFC gym that I joined and I was, you know, just hitting the heavy bag and the trainer leading the class came up to me. He was like, hey, you know, why don't you lift that elbow and that left hook? And he's like, here, let me show you. And ironically, the class that I'd taken was Halloween themed, it was October. And he was wearing a marshmallow helmet, like the DJ. So he's wearing this helmet, he goes to throw this hook, and instead of hitting the bag, he, like, clocks me right in the nose. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so that's how I met my fight trainer, Kyle, and we are still best friends to this day. Um, But he felt terrible after that, and I think his shock, more than anything, wasn't, oh my gosh, I just hit this chick in the face, it was like, oh my gosh, this chick just got punched in the face and reacted like nothing happened. So he felt bad. He's like, hey, I owe you some uh, free time training. I was like, all right, cool. So I took those sessions and we continued fight training and like lifting and whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just decided that I really wanted to start fight training with him and we did. And every Sunday I started fighting other girls in my gym. Um, And it just kind of went on from there for a couple of years.
0: Was what was it about the fighting that got you pulled in? Because I know a lot of people say that, like, obviously you you weren't to the level Conor McGregor is, but like for example, like Conor McGregor, he started fighting because he used to get in fights when he was a kid, and he didn't want to ever like get beat up or not know. And then for some people, like the Paul brothers, like obviously what they're that what they're doing, whatever. But they, I saw an in interview with Logan, and he was saying that what attracts him to fighting is that it's just like two people locked in a ring or locked in a cage and it's like hey best man wins and it's so like uh it's almost like an adrenaline rush you get because it's like uh, very animalistic in a way and it's part of our nature it's just not something that we're all exposed to on a daily basis so for you like what was it because for me I would never want to fight because I'm not trying to get punched in the face
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and a lot of people you know it's funny that's like the first question people usually ask me is like have you ever been punched in the face it's like Jesus. Okay. Um,
0: I have many times playing, like playing box lacrosse. I've been punched in the mouth plenty of times and I've had a lot of black, black and blue eyes and stuff, but it's just like to do that as a job, like, Hey honey, um, I made this amount of money and this is how I make money is beating the fuck out of other people. And I'm beating the fuck out of me. Like, no, I think I'll do something else.
1: (laughs) Oh, and you know, what's so nuts. And like, this is just a good side note is that When guys fight, there is—I feel like it's a—it's a lot more technical. And I feel like when I watch professional female fighters fight, it is just like the most savage fighting I've ever seen. Like girls are such nasty fighters. One of my favorite stories: so this girl, her name is Jovi, and this girl has a heart of gold. Love her to death. But when I met Jovi, I was in like my sparring class on Sundays. Uh-huh. And she jumps in the ring. She is, like, I'm 5'9". I'm Jovi's, like, 5'3". She jumps in the ring, and I'm, you know, I got headgear on, I got a mouthguard in, I'm all banded up. And she just throws, you know, some wraps and mitts on with her hoop earrings still in, no headgear on, no mouthguard in, just comes in and faces me. I have never been so scared in my entire life of some girl who just, like, walks into the ring And knows what the heck she's doing. And she did. She beat the shit out of me. It
0: was... (laughs) Some of those girls are fucking killers. Like, not literal serial killers, but to your point, like, I was... Like, we were talking about a little bit before we got in the recording. I love the UFC, and I get every single fight. Like, sometimes... Um, my like my buddies like because I have ESPN Plus and I'll just order the fight myself. Sometimes and my buddies are always like, "Yo, you want to split? Like, I'll throw you twenty bucks or something." I'm like, "No, dude, I watch them anyways." And they're like, "You're crazy." I'm like, "But they're entertaining." And to your point, the women wi- the women are straight sick sickos, like straight yeah. savages. Like they beat the piss out of each other in the most aggressive way. Whereas the guys, it seems like like you said, are more a little bit more technical. They're trying to find their spots and, you know, doing their thing. Whereas the females are just brawling for five yeah. rounds
1: straight. It is, it is crazy. So, yeah, Jovi taught me that, you know, some people are just born with this intuition to fight. Um, but to answer your original question, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was about fighting that made me want to do it. Um, you know, I, I spent the majority of my middle school and high school career cheering competitively. And you know, I cheered for my high school as well. Mm-hmm. And that's aggressive, but not in the way that a contact sport is. No. Um, I always said that like one of my biggest regrets was not playing lacrosse in the spring because it's a high pace, aggressive sport. And I, I am pretty aggressive as a person, not, not physically, just like in my nature. Uh-huh. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of what the Paul brothers say. It's just the idea of being completely by yourself and in, like, the most animal way, figuring out, am I capable of doing this? Like, am I capable of being better than the person in front of me? And Mm -hmm. as awesome as it feels to walk away from a fight knowing you won, it's it's not the best feeling knowing that like someone's going to have a black and you know, black eye or two for a while. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a part of me that has a heart and does feel guilty. And that's why I don't believe that I was born to fight.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And there's, I heard, uh, what's his face. I heard Joe Rogan say that MMA and just fighting in general is essentially just like human chest with like severe dire consequences. And yes. like the most like technical way to put it. And Um, Kamaru Usman, who is the middleweight champ, I believe he, I was listening to Kevin Durant's podcast. He was on it and he was saying that he was always like a really good wrestler. And, and then, um, what got him good at wrestling was his, he wasn't good at basketball. He wasn't good at football. And his math, I believe it was his math or social studies teacher was always like, yeah, you couldn't hack it. You couldn't wrestle. You couldn't wrestle. And then him being so competitive was like, yeah, I can. And he had to wrestle a girl. At first and he's like I'm not wrestling This girl like I'm a body here and he Kept getting bodied by this girl and he said He felt so helpless um, Not being able to defend himself So that's why he got into wrestling and then once he became As good as he was at wrestling he was like Well why don't I get into MMA because Two thirds of a fight is Essentially like if I start losing In hand to hand combat or Someone's kicking me and something like that I can Take him to the ground and if I can take him to the ground I can control the fight so It's and so I, I think it's interesting, like, hearing, like, why people get into fighting, just because, like, me, myself, like, I would never want to fucking pre- pursue UFC. <laughs> and yeah. then
1: and then even on top of it,
0: yeah, and then on top of it, to even get to, like, say, a title fight or to be on, like, a UFC card, you have to win so many, like, amateur fights just to even get to that level.
1: It's, it's really hard. It was just this progressive thing that I was learning. Um, you know, muscle memory is something that boxers need to have, and I had learned so much of that from training for a while, um, you know, before I decided to start sparring that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm throwing mitts and my hands are just going and, you know, my trainer knows how to catch them because he's taught me these things, but do they work? That was Mm -hmm. kind of what it was. It was like, you know, I can't just go home and practice this on someone. I can't go practice it on my roommate um, I want to practice it on another human being. And so that was kind of the whole point of me being like, okay, you know what? I want to I actually start putting these skills to work and see how much I suck. And I sucked, man. I mean, I sucked for a while. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. what, was, uh, what, was like, what was it like the first time you stepped in the ring and you started throwing hands or, oh, actually, okay, I'll, I'll double ask that. So like, what was the first reaction you had within yourself the first time like you actually gave someone a good shot and you were like, oh shit, I just fucked her up. And when was the what was the reaction when you got fucked up for the first time? Cause anyone that fights, they get fucked up. Everyone's gonna get got when it comes to fighting.
1: So the first time I got fucked up was by a woman in her forties who was <laughs> several <laughs> inches shorter than me. And when you are a tall fighter and you let small people get in your box, I mean, that's your own fault, you know? It's like you should know better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like an idiot, <laughs> And you know, like that's how I felt. Um, when I started beating the shit out of someone is a way better story. <laughs> my trainer was in my corner and I'm fighting this girl and I- I've watched her train, you know, like I'm-, I'm actually really scared to spar this chick. And mm-hmm. she just brought n- no game, you know, I mean, her-, her hits were good, they were strong. But when I started hitting her so hard that her headgear started turning, you know, I, I said to Kyle, I was like, what do I do? And he's like, keep going. And I was like, shut like, up. He's just like, he's like, keep going. I'm like, "Okay," But I, I don't know. That was when, like, the human in me was like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. Um, and then there was the whole transition of fighting girls that are really good. And that's kind of where I feel like I learned like a brotherhood type of thing. Cause I grew up with a sister and sisters don't fist fight like brothers do. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun having friendships. I mean, that I still have with girls that I would fist fight. And then we get out of the ring and we like go grab a drink and we're friends. And that was just such an interesting dynamic for me to understand where it's like, okay, you know what? Like you did this really well. Like I had like two girls that I really wanted to fight. They were like the hardest girls in the gym to fight. Um And once I started getting on their level and, you know, one day I'd kick the shit out of them and, you know, another day they would kick the shit out of me. Um, You know, those are incredible learning experiences. You just kind of like let that go. But when it's someone you don't know, you have no remorse at all because you have no idea who they are. They don't know who you are, what you've gone through. They don't understand why you're doing this. Um, But the first girl that I beat the shit out of, I knew her kind of well and I felt really bad
0: that's hilarious now has anything that you've learned in your you know amateur ufc experience uh been able to correlate to what you do in like your professional career with work because i feel like to be a fighter it's not one of those things where you can necessarily rely on your athleticism like you can in some sports where you like, kids that are more talented and more athletic, they could take a couple of days off and stuff like that. Whereas – and I'm asking I'm asking this, like, ignorantly because I have no fucking fight knowledge at all whatsoever. I'm just thinking of things. Is is it, like, with fighting where it's, like, you said, the muscle memory and the training is so tedious that you've been able to take, like, those monotonous routine things and apply them to your career to, like, advance yourself in your career? Or no?
1: Um, I don't really know the correlation in my career because – I guess it would just be showing up, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's to a gym or to your desk or to a customer, it's just showing up even when you don't want to, there's always a reward for just showing up. And Mm -hmm. when you're constantly fighting and you're exhausted, you know, and, and this is such a terrible example, but you know, if you're not in the mood to fight that day, you know, you're having a good day, you know, what, what do people do to get you to fight? They talk a lot of shit to you. Uh-huh. And I think it's one of those things where, especially still working in commercial construction, when you just don't do your best, you know, you kind of leave someone hanging, people are not afraid to, like, let you know that you piss them off.
0: Uh-huh. And it's kind
1: of like that motivation to, like, kick yourself back into gear and, in, you know, get going. Um, but I don't know. I really think I, I don't think that there's a huge correlation in my boxing to my work. Um, uh-huh. I took work and all the stress that it brought me out at the gym. And I still do that when I run, you know, now I do the complete opposite. Now I attend a yoga studio six days a week and I run three days a week. So I'm doing the complete opposite of what I was a year and a half ago. Um, but yeah,
0: how does, I, I didn't even know that. Now I'm asking about that, but yoga, for example, like how did you get into that? Cause when I was a, when I was in Denver, Um, our couple of our buddies lived in Boulder and the the one kid had me doing uh, hot yoga with him and that honestly, those hot yoga classes were the most challenging physically things I think I've ever done as crazy as that sounds from any type of conditioning or lift or circuit training or anything we had to do for college lacrosse. I thought that hot yoga class was by far the hardest thing I've ever done.
1: It's so hard and it's so good for you. Um, I do take a hot yoga class five days a week. So
0: um,
1: I just got into yoga because since the pandemic started, I'm trying really hard to be mindful. And Mm. I'm trying to, you know, be the best person I can be all the time. But yoga is really good for my mental health as it is for my physical health. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about yoga that inspires me to want to eat better and be better. Um, But that's essentially like why I do it. You know, running is running is a great release. It's free. You can do it anywhere. Um, But I wanted something more. I wanted to be a part of a community. I wanted to actually practice something that I could take with me for the rest of my life. And yoga is one of those things. Running is one of those things. Boxing is not one of those things, you know. Um, so it was just like making the investment in myself. And I got started when Peloton and Allo and all these different apps during the pandemic were offering like 30, 60, 90 day free trials. Um, and that was pretty much how I got into it. I always felt great after doing yoga. So that's pretty much how I got into it.
0: How do you think, cause I completely agree with you. Like once I started doing yoga and then obviously through the pandemic, like, um, being more mindful in like tackling like mental health. Cause I feel like a lot of people who are, it seems like you are where it's very, you're very strong willed and you can handle a lot of things and you're, you know, a go getter and you're, you're tough by your nature. It always seems like the mental illness from friends that I know that are like that. Um, it hits that. I don't want, it, how do I want to say this? It hits them the hardest because they're so used to being able to handle a lot and be that strong person that you kind of, letting it slip a little and not really taking it as serious as you should that's like when it really comes crashing down hard on you so like um is that like something that you've experienced and like yoga has been help more helpful with cuz like for me personally the how challenging yoga is when i'm done i'm just like oh i feel so much fucking better
1: <laughs> yes so yes um as someone who does struggle with their own mental illness yes mm-hmm. yoga has been nothing but good for me Because it forces me to be living in the moment. And there is not one yoga class that I go to where I don't surprise myself. And I think that's been incredibly beneficial to my mental health.
0: You know, not Mm -hmm. only
1: am I in a calm place, like a calm place where I can focus on me, but I'm in a place where, you know, the only competition in that room is myself. It's like being on a golf course, but without the alcohol. So, it's,
0: yes. um, <laughs> and you know, the cigars.
1: <laughs> there's always room for improvement, and it's always a practice. It's never a perfection. You know, you learn that you are resilient and you have these words of affirmation, not only in your mind, but coming from your instructors and your peers around you. And yoga, it, I mean, I do. I burn like 500, sometimes more calories in a class, which is, I mean, I don't even burn that much when I run three miles. So, mm-hmm it's so good for you. I suggest everyone try it at least once, Um, you know, going with an open mind. But yeah, to answer your question, it has been phenomenal for my mental
0: health. Do you meditate at all? I do. How? Okay. So I heard because I meditate a lot and I find it to be extremely beneficial. Um, It's not something I've ever talked about before, but I used to be the person where I would sit down and be like, I can't fucking do this. I can't like, I'm thinking of a million different things. But then I heard from, I believe it was maybe Jay Shetty or someone else that was saying that like, if you can't, like when you go to sit down and you can't sit still or your mind is racing, that is just um, your body exposing to yourself, how busy and how chaotic your mind actually is. And that's what's allowing not allowing you to see things a certain way or that's what's working you up mentally do you like what is your take on that i don't even know if that's something you can agree or disagree with i'm just seeing what you thought on it
1: oh 100% no i completely agree with that um and mm-hmm. i think that there i think people need to know that there's a lot more than just one way to meditate like i meditate in two ways one of them is legitimately talking out loud to myself whether that's like <laughs> while i'm walking my dog or in the car like i have conversations with myself Um, Uh and that is incredible. It's like, it's like almost journaling out loud. It's like a really good way to like create an itemized receipt of what the heck is going on inside your brain, like your brain, your head. Um, but the other form is obviously like sitting down, closing your eyes, focusing first on your breath and then about the calmness or chaos around you and Mm -hmm. how it is your sole responsibility to treat yourself to a pause. Um, so that that's kind of what I do. And it's never in one specific place. Like I don't ever actually sit on the floor and cross my legs and, you know, make funny motions with my hands. Usually what I'm doing is I just lay down, whether it's like on the couch or like I'll just lay on the floor uh-huh. and I'll just take a pause. You know, I want to like elongate my spine. I want to breathe and I just need to relax and then prioritize, you know, what I need to get done. Um, but yeah, a, a busy mind and counter, Productive time, you know, wasted. The best thing you can do in that moment is just to take two minutes and try and meditate.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and do are you very like are you I, I know some people are like I don't want to say an advocate for it but like are you very much like when um you have friends that come to you and talk to you about certain things personal things obviously do you try to like immediately be like hey try this or is it something because I I've tried with like some friends I'm like yeah Yo, you should give meditation or yoga a chance I'm like fuck out of my face absolutely not I've tried it; it doesn't work so, like, how do you, do you try to like push it on people, or are you just like, hey, this is what I do? Maybe it'll help for you.
1: Actually, I don't. I don't try to tell people how to live their life anymore.
0: Uh-huh. Unless
1: you come to me and ask for advice.
0: That's what I mean. No. Like, they're coming yeah. to you. Like, they're like, hey, Taylor, I got to talk to you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yesterday, um, one of my best friends called me. She was just going through a little rut with herself. But no, I did not tell her to meditate. I think when people come to me with their problems, what they want more than anything is someone to listen to them uh-huh. and provide them feedback. And you know, if that friend were to call me again today and be like, I don't know how to get through this, um, I also wouldn't say like try meditation because when you're going through something, not that it isn't the right, or the right or wrong time to try something new. I think what people want when they go to their friends for help is just someone to listen and sympathize with them, you know, Mm -hmm. like kind of what they're going through. And if they ask, you know, specifically, how would you handle it? Okay, then yes, I might mention that I would try meditation. Um, But I feel like the only time I would ever push it on someone, you know, like if Lex came to me and was like, hey, you know, like, how do you deal with this? You know, I would tell her, but I would never try and be like, hey, you know, this works for me, it should work for you. Something that works for me just doesn't work for everybody.
0: No, of course. but you know, kind of like transitioning off that, um, you were saying that when the pandemic hit, you were pretty much working a desk bo- desk job in a little shoebox apartment. Obviously, New York being New York, Northeast per se, like the springs aren't necessarily great. I always like to say that we don't have a uh, we don't have a spring. Um, it's usually just uh, winter, then summer, <laughs> pretty <laughs> yeah. much because of how great it is um and then how did you because I know like you took the hike and you jumped out to Cali after you know you hyped yourself up you love New York City you're just like I'm about to make something of this this is going to be great what ultimately led you moving out of New York City and San Diego of all places when you could have went pretty much anywhere
1: yeah that's a good question um so when people usually move to New York City I feel like It's something that they planned for a really long time. Whereas for me, it was just the stars aligned and I was presented this phenomenal opportunity. Uh And when I was in college, I'd always dreamed of moving out west, you know, whether that be in the mountains of Colorado or, yeah, the sandy beaches of Southern California, um, you know, Montana or even Utah. I just kind of always assumed that I would go west. And I never really knew exactly where I wanted to go. Um, But when, right before the pandemic hit, I was actually presented with a growth opportunity at work, you know, to stay in New York city and take on more responsibility. And the opportunity was essentially going to help me get where I wanted to be professionally, you Mm -hmm. know, on time. Um, So I was excited about it, but it was in that moment and it was actually like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon when I got that phone call that I said to myself, you know, maybe I'm not done in New York, you know, maybe I will be here for five years. And that's okay. But it's also like, okay, if I'm in New York for five years, will I ever actually leave? You know, am I gonna do the 10 year become a, you know, an authentic New Yorker, you know, that was kind of where my mind was going. And the spring was approaching, and my lease was ending. So I, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, But when the pandemic hit, you know, I did go from being an account executive in the field 3 to 4 days a week to working a desk job in a shoebox and that was just the worst for me for someone like me who can't sit still very long i mean mm-hmm. that sucked so um the opportunity was not exciting because suddenly everything that i would have done in person was now coming through via email i was living in this shoebox with my roommate who worked on wall street and my dog and it was just terrible. And the thought of the lease ending and going out West, you know, seemed awesome. It was one of those things where if I don't do it now, I might not ever do it. You know, I'm going to be working remote till God knows when.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I called my boss the next day and was like, hey, um, my roommate is moving out. I can't afford my apartment on my own. I don't like... Pretty much, I I explained my circumstances to my boss and said, June 25th, I'm moving to San Diego. This was in April. And he was just in so much shock, as if he hadn't faced enough shock already. Yeah. You know, he was just like, are you kidding me? So I was like, hey, yep, you know, my lease is up. Here are my circumstances. I'm moving to San Diego in June, and I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting my job. So... I went and thankfully it all worked out, you know, I was able to work that New York city remote job until August and then Mm -hmm. based off of things that were going on in our company, you know, there was a new job opportunity for me to manage our wood and metal business out here in Southern California. So I was actually able to stay with the company for a lot longer than expected, but knowing that I would have been able to work, you know, till late summer, getting paid. At least I would have been in San Diego for a couple months to get my feet wet in the event that I needed to pivot.
0: And what like, once you got out there, what was the expectation versus reality? Was it everything you expected it to be so far?
1: (laughs) Kind of. So I learned what June gloom is very quick when I moved out here. And June gloom in San Diego is when it's overcast in the morning till about 12 o'clock in the afternoon every day. Uh So waking up in the morning without sunshine for the first couple of weeks was definitely a little sad. But once uh, once July came, it was really good. You know, I this will be my first summer really experiencing San Diego the way I believe I should last summer with COVID and everything going on. There wasn't a lot of activity. There weren't a lot of events. You know, I couldn't go see a live concert on the beach. And I didn't have a friend group here to like do bonfires with or like go to the club with or have a great sushi dinner with. Um, but what I had experienced when I first moved out here was phenomenal, you know, seeing the Pacific ocean and how beautiful it is and the clear skies all the time, the sunsets are the most therapeutic thing in the world. So yeah, I would definitely say it exceeded the expectation.
0: Do you have any crazy stories since being out there? Like how you caught a how you caught a right hook in New York City, <laughs> you catch a left <laughs> hook or anything out in Cali?
1: No, not yet, not nothing crazy. And if the one pops into my head, I'll make sure to cut you off and let you know.
0: That's <laughs> hilarious. Now, um, like you're still you're still doing the same thing, commercial commercial construction sales, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. Cali? Yep. Um has, what have you, or no, I, I don't want to ask that. What I want to ask is, cause I think about this all the time. Not everyone can sell like sales is obviously, you know, building relationship, using your personality. And then there's obviously sales tactics. Do you think that they should be teaching um sales or taking classes on sales? Like at the younger level, like high school, or even like making it like a thing in college. Cause I feel like a lot of people they don't necessarily have sales uh, backgrounds or they the first time they get exposed to sales is like how you started being in an ISA and stuff like that. And then you learn all the uh, fundamentals of sales and they obviously open up more doors for you. But I've always like wondered why, like it's not, at least not a class is taught on it in some way, shape or form um, in college at least.
1: So I actually did take sales classes. Um, and oh, you did, okay. Uh, yes, I did, but- <laughs> Here's what's interesting. So in my sales and marketing classes, a lot of those projects were Mm group-based. And the interesting thing about salespeople is that you really have to be a team player. So think about when you were in college and you had a group project. And there Mm -hmm. was that one person, and maybe you were that person, that just did not contribute to the project to be successful. Um, I can almost guarantee you that that person has team player on their resume. And that is essentially what is wrong with people who are approaching sales positions, they see opportunity to make money and be in the field and have all these great perks. But what they don't actually know is that you have to be a phenomenal team player, you have to be a a good communicator. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is what I learned through bartending was just setting an expectation and exceeding that expectation, I would rather you know, over-deliver every time. And I wish that that had been more emphasized in my sales class. You know, what is the point of all these group projects? For you guys to learn how to openly communicate to create a final end product that is successful. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I wish I had learned more of. Obviously, working in a bar was a super... It was No,
0: of course, yeah. You know,
1: it's so different than working in field sales now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think that those classes were terrible. I thought that they taught me a lot. I just think everybody is different and how people manage territory sales is different on the person. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a very like type A driven gal. So everything to me is incredibly punctual and I have to have all the details before I move on to my next step. But I think what makes me so great at my sales is that I'm more than honest. I communicate as much as I can, and I hold true to the expectation.
0: How do you think um, you could be a better Cause uh, I would say that that is about 98% of the time in sales, but it's not so much like your tone and stuff like that, but it's being able to like build rapport with the person, create a good relationship. And then outside of that, trying to figure out like what their like pain points are or like what is going to cause them to do action. So like how like as a general speaking, uh, generally speaking, like how do you think like someone that is going to get into sales and may not be someone like you who's type A or someone like me who's super outgoing could be successful in sales if they're like a shy, quiet person or do you just not think that's possible?
1: I don't think it's impossible. Like, I know extro- extroverted introverts that are very successful in sales. Uh-huh. Um, but I honestly, to answer your first question, delete my email. If I could become the best sales rep in the world, you would get rid of my email because mm-hmm. there is nothing worse than communicating through writing like that. You know, give me a call on the phone, ask me to come to your office those are the best sales reps in the world are the ones that you have quality time with. You're building a genuine relationship with. I don't, I can talk to you via email all day long. Yeah, we can negotiate costs. We can talk product, whatever, but I don't know anything about you as a person. I don't know your facial reaction or how you feel when I'm negotiating numbers. I don't know you, you know, how, like when you're texting your best friend and you're like pulling their chain, you know, you send a message and there's no emotion in the message, it's written text, but you know exactly how your friend is reacting. Those are the relationships yes. that I want at work. I don't mm-hmm. want to be writing to you via email. I want to be talking to you on the phone. I want to be in person. And to, I truly think the best way to improve communication is to get off, you know, get off technology.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I completely agree. Which what is your whole take on uh, not not for business, because obviously for business, you got to use it. But um, me personally, if I didn't use Instagram for like work and then the podcast and just like stuff like that, I would completely be off all social media. So like what's your take on all that?
1: I love social media. I think it is an incredible tool. I think we've made a mess of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to buy like something from your Amazon cart using your promo code. Uh You know, everyone (laughs) making an effort to be famous is just honestly really embarrassing to me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But when I see my friends who are, you know, posting incredible photography photos or really do have great taste in fashion and can thrift and buy luxury, um, or, you know, the people that make just heart thumping music, like those are the things about social media that I think are just so incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that social media is really great for connecting people. You know, I just went to a hair salon yesterday and I was following the girl. We spent a lot of quality time in that chair and we became good friends. And I went to follow her on Instagram and noticed that she's gone to high school with someone that I knew back in New York City. Like that's how small the world is. And that in itself makes it so great. so mixed feelings. I, I love social media. I would prefer to have it than not, but mm-hmm. I think the mess that we've made of it is just kind of making it less
0: enjoyable. What about the mess we've made of it um, in direct correlation to the causes that like cause people like mental health issues?
1: Yeah, I think it's terrible. You, you know, you get a daily report on your phone and it's like you spent seven hours a day on your phone what the hell are you doing on your phone for seven (laughs) hours? You're scrolling through social media. Imagine the things that you can accomplish by eliminating that. You know, you could read a book. You could try a new hobby. You could gain a skill or chop your hair off or sell your clothes. Like, there's so much to accomplish. And I think that that's what's wrong is you're scrolling on social media. You're wasting so much of your valuable time. And then you're wasting your hard-earned money to go try and be – these people um or you know up yourself and I just think it's so unhealthy when Mm -hmm. you're spending so much time it's just so unfortunate I know I was a victim of it for a while and I've Mm -hmm. actually been like on a two-month hiatus you know from posting as often as I can on social media which is it's been good you know like I sign in check some stuff but like I'm never on for more than a couple minutes and it's been really good for my
0: mental health yeah that's awesome yeah i wanted to ask that just because uh that's something that i always think about all the time like because when you scroll you're just mindlessly scrolling and you're just like you're just like consuming so much shit and then it's like if you see something that gets shared multiple times or you keep seeing something similar or a controversial take or just something it like consumes you and it's like now that's my reality if that makes sense and it's just like you have to take a step back and be like what the fuck is going on here
1: Yeah, it's like taking, like it's like bringing us back to meditation. Like, put that phone down, stop Mm -hmm. letting your mind wander into all these rabbit holes, and just pause for a second and realize that, like, you have so many incredible surroundings to explore. Even if you're like in freezing Alaska, you can go explore something awesome that isn't in your cell phone.
0: There's actually a. Do you have Netflix? Yes. Okay, I know that was a stupid question, but then again, you never know these days. You're going to talk about um, the meditation
1: thing on Netflix no. from that monk. Nope.
0: No, 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 not at all. I was saying, you said Alaska, and there's this show, uh, it's like um, Amazing Vacation Rentals or something like that. I the, watched that too, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first episode, when they, or was it the second episode, they went to Alaska?
1: Yeah, they did. They went to Alaska. They went to yeah. uh, Lake Judd
0: yes yes that like I didn't even know shit like that existed and then from that show I'm just like okay cool I want to quit my job and travel but obviously it's not a thing at the moment
1: yeah absolutely I say the same thing I feel like it'll
0: be for my 30s yeah um well you know we've been talking for a little bit and now and I just have some final questions or things to pick your brain on um if you if someone if someone approached you like say someone in someone connected with you on linkedin and they you know saw your your job history you know what you've been doing and stuff like that and they said hey taylor um you know i'm got, I'm gonna be graduating next year uh i'm not sure what the what the hell i want to do and i know i want to be in the sales it seems like you have a really um padded resume and stuff like that would you mind sharing with me like a couple of like experiences you've had and like lessons you've learned from that, like from the ups and downs, like what would you say to her? Absolutely. Yeah, like what would you say to her if not like on a, oh, hi, responding to you level, but like if you could meet this person face-to-face and had like an intimate conversation with them, like what would you share with them?
1: I would wanna know what they've done in their past. You know, What Uh type of projects, opportunities, jobs have you pursued in your past? And what have Mm -hmm. you liked and disliked about them? Also, you know, I would want to know how they spend their free time and I would really want to know what makes them the happiest, whether that's helping other people or, you know, accomplishing a big task, taking on a huge project, you know, collecting all of these things and maybe trying not to pinpoint something very specific, but, you know, a general idea of what type of sales you would want to be in. Mm -hmm. And then you know, connecting with people that either work for that company or, you know, have that exact type of work experience. Like what I really like about your podcast is that I feel like I'm able to have all these coffee dates with all these different types of professionals that maybe I personally wouldn't reach out to myself. Uh Um, I, you know, I I do, I love listening to these young adults tell their stories. It's been incredibly inspiring to me. Um, But it's always about the coffee date. And about the mentor so uh-huh. what I would want to know is you know what type of things have you pursued in the past what have you loved about them and what do you do in your free time that brings you like peace and happiness and then maybe mm-hmm. you know finding some sort of middle ground on where to jump start your career
0: yeah well and that's like kind of the thing like I like I've had this idea for I couldn't even tell you forever maybe and I just never like pursued it but like the thing that I always came to find is that like from the experience I've had in college and then, you know, going to Boston, going broke, trying to do real estate, then coming back home and then going out to Denver and then the pandemic hitting and then being back in Buffalo and then just like all the different things I've done and then obviously having conversations with close friends about it and stuff, it 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 was kind of like, okay, when you talk to people, everyone tries to PR themselves to make it seem like they've never failed or they've they've never done anything bad in life and then a lot of people are afraid to take risks and do different things. And then on top of it, social media, you only see the good shit in life. So I was like, you know what, rather than these other, these other podcasts where it's a lot of celebrities, former athletes and stuff like that. I was like, why don't I just talk to people my own age or people that it looks like from afar doing cool shit and just talk to them about like, okay, what did you do? What'd you struggle with? What sucked? What didn't suck? Cause um, I feel like there's almost like that uh, invisible pressure on all of us to fuck we're about to be you know we're heading we're closer to 30 than we are 20 so it's like oh my god uh some of us might be single and we might have that pressure of like i gotta get married i gotta get a kid or i gotta have a dog or i gotta figure my life out and it's like really no one ever figures it out you just go with what makes you happy you get good at something and then you just continue to you know trot along all the way
1: and to your point that's Exactly. It. You are going to disappoint a lot of people, whether you intend to or not, uh-huh. but you have to wake up every day and look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, am I happy because I'm happy with who I am? Like, am I proud of who I become? Um, and that was something that being in New York taught me was that finally I had a space to unapologetically be myself, whoever that woman is. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you learn self-love that way. It's like, I'm, I'm so lucky that I learned that in my young 20s to love myself and that I am this incredible person. But, you know, I have upset a lot of people close to me because I do what makes me happiest that maybe they don't agree with. Um, mm-hmm. One of my parents being one of them, you know, I didn't stay in my hometown and get married and have children. And they have a really hard time trying to understand why I did that. But I'm out here doing what makes me happiest. I'm living my dream. Um, yeah, not every day is perfect. And I think I mentioned to you a couple of times how terribly I failed in the past. Uh-huh. But I don't think there's anything that I would ever do over again. And I feel like a lot of people who have been through a lot and accomplished a lot will tell you the same. Every failure is a learning opportunity.
0: Yeah, I don't really like not to sound like a like a hard ass or kind of take what Kobe Bryant said, but I don't really like I don't really look at it as like a failure because it's more so just like like how I told you I went broke living in Boston. A lot of my friends were like, are you out of your fucking mind? You did what? And I'm just like, dude, it's not a big deal. Like. I thankfully had a home to come home. I had, you know, my mom welcomed me back with open arms. I'm an only child. So of course, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, it's like, yo, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, it's like, it is what it is. Like it was a lesson. Now I look at money differently. Now I'm like, okay, if I'm going to work a hundred percent commission job, I got to do certain things. I might not be able to go out on a Friday night and grab drinks just because, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's a silver lining in everything. And I think that if, um, it was the reverse on social media where it was more so like, like you said, like a coffee date of us, just like being like, yo, what'd you fuck up doing today? It's like, Oh, you did that. Well, guess what? I fucked up doing this. It's like, you know, what's funny is in that time I had all these experiences and I did all these cool different things. Like I was, that's why I wanted you to talk about the UFC thing. Cause I feel like, and I could be wrong cause I don't, like I said, I haven't met you yet. Um, it just seems like that's something that you were a little but, like, to me, I'm like, nah, talk about that shit. I think that's cool.
1: It was, yeah. I think it just, because especially when I talk to people, they, they're they like, oh, my gosh, like, can you beat the shit out of me? That's always the first thing. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, it's just as terrible as, have you ever gotten punched in the face? Like, I, uh, Jesus Christ, don't ask stupid questions that you genuinely don't want the answer to. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not this hard ass, like cold-hearted curl that's just gonna like beat the shit out of you like I'm a human being I went through a thing I had some fun got on to the next thing um yeah yeah like to your point it's when things go wrong you know sometimes it's really hard to recognize that it's actually working out perfectly you just have to believe that that's what's going on and it's not going to feel like that in the moment and you have a right to be upset you know feelings emotions they're entirely valid but When I I, my advice to anyone is like, if you're going through the hardest time in the world right now, like, just know it's temporary. It's Mm -hmm. always temporary. Everything is temporary and things are working out perfectly, whether you can visualize that right now or not.
0: Absolutely. And the final thing I have for you before we wrap this up is. If you could go back, or actually, no, I always say that, and that's not how I want to ask it. If you today could meet 18-year-old Taylor, you could meet your 18-year-old self. You could be younger, but the oldest you are is 18 years old. What would you tell her, um, one, about the ups and downs in life, which maybe you've already addressed that, and then two, uh, wise words to carry with her moving forward?
1: Um, you know what's so crazy is when I was 20 years old, I actually wrote down, like on a piece of paper, all these goals that I was going to accomplish before I was 25. Hmm. And these goals were absurd. I mean, the first one was relocation. The second one was a monetary value that I was going to make in my starting salary. Um, another what was one... the value? Can I know? <laughs> no, you cannot.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, how about this? Was it was it six figures?
1: It was six figures. It all was... right,
0: I appreciate that. That's all I want to know.
1: <laughs> and... If I could go back to that girl, you know, who had no fucking clue how she was going to get there and just tell her, you will accomplish all of this by 24, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, I feel like that would have been the motivation at all. Like I would have just told her like everything that you plan to do, you will accomplish and in good time. Mm -hmm. like that and it's like it's okay not to know exactly how you're going to get where you need to be but you will get there Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I think like that's essentially like what people want to hear you know you don't have to have all the answers right now and you're not going to have all the answers by the time you're 30 but you will accomplish every goal you set for yourself and as long as you stay true to who you are you will have no regrets
0: and I think that's it I think we ended on that (laughs) cool (laughs) yeah no i i i I, that's the thing like i think the exact same way i think like at the end of the day it's like that fear of having regret is what makes me be like fuck it i'm just gonna do it anyway and if it like even with this like podcast like i wasn't hesitant to do it because of what people thought i was just like yeah i don't i don't know if like people are gonna listen or anything and i'm thinking to myself like wait a second i was Uh, like i've been lost at times and i'm still lost sometimes and it's just like when i have kids one day if they're like hey dad uh i don't know what to do i could just be like well guess what when i was in my 20s i have i have a whole library of convos from people from all different walks of life and all different situations maybe listen to what they're saying maybe that could help you because you know how it is sometimes you don't have the answer for someone when they ask you something
1: yeah it's uh no, you're exactly right. This is like so left field, but like have you ever heard of uh what is his name Dan something where he goes up to people like driving luxury cars and says, "Hey, what do you do for a living?"
0: I think I've seen like videos of it on Instagram.
1: It's like the most inspiring thing in the world. I don't know why because it's like half the kids that are doing it were just like born into money or like did something really stupid, like invested you know their you know their tips into something, and I think it's just like one of those crazy things where. Yeah, like you just you just never know, and to hear and get any advice, and like he does, he always asks like, "Do you have any advice for someone?" or like, "How did you get there?" Um, and just like, I can't imagine how full his library is, but yeah, the fact that you're doing this is so cool because you're just gonna. I mean, you're meeting people like me who you probably never would have ever met,
0: like no, if neither. you hadn't done this. No, not not at all. And then it say, and it also saves me like the awkward like when I do come out to San Diego, it saves me the awkward. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm John. It's like immediately like when we go out, it's like, okay, it's easy. Like it's not the like, you get what I'm saying though, right? Like it's, yeah, not the, no, like, you're not playing, you're not playing fucking icebreakers. And right. like, the only, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, cool. Like I already know you some way, somehow I know. And on top of it too, I think it's cool to hear shit from people that um, had they not been talking about themselves, you would never know about that person
1: and that's like the best way to learn about someone is just listening to how they talk about themselves like it's uh yeah it's i mean it's the best way to get people to talk too. is when you just ask them to talk about themselves people love to talk about themselves absolutely they teach but people what they don't know like that's, that's
0: exactly like- <laughs> and we're uh we were raised all of us to you know stay humble not talk about yourself you'll come across as ignorant or arrogant but it's just like everyone would talk about themselves given the opportunity <laughs>
1: It's no, it's the truth. And what's so funny is like, of all the things I've ever posted on social media, boxing was never a big one of them. Like I never really talked about some of the things that we talked about today. And I think that's what Mm -hmm. was so cool is like, this is actually a chance for maybe someone who doesn't know me that well to like potentially listen to this and be like, okay, you know, holy shit, like who she is on social media is not who she actually is in her life. And I mean, I think that's like so cool.
0: Yeah, I just and I know I gotta say it again, but I did not peg you as the type to be throwing hands and be in the and be in <laughs> just, the MMA. <laughs>
1: it's like yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Even like my dog, like I've never hit my dog. Like I reward train my dog. Like I'm not an aggressive. I am an aggressive person by nature, but like I'm not this animalistic bitch. You know, like that's what. Yeah. And that's what I don't want people to know or like assume of me um and i just don't want to be like marked as like a poser i think that's like my biggest thing as well because it's like well she never actually had a real fight blah 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 and it's like yeah you're right i might have never fought on a card but like that doesn't mean that i didn't
0: fight people for three years listen you did more than i ever fucking (laughs) fought so that's good with me
1: it's yeah it's uh It's a good experience, have said I lived through. It was fun. Yeah. So,
0: well, I appreciate been awesome. um, Yeah, I appreciate it. So, uh, we'll definitely link up when I get out to San Diego. I was just talking to Alexis and Mr. Man the other day. I don't know when exactly, uh, just because of my work schedule and shit. I don't know when exactly, but either sometime later this year or maybe at the beginning of next year, I'll definitely be out there. So, um, I'll get a chance to finally meet you. So, hell
1: yeah, that'll be awesome. I can't wait.
0: Of course. So be I appreciate nice you be famous by
1: then, like, on the mm-hmm. charts.
0: Well, uh, see, I, I have a thing. Real quick, I have a thing with fame. Like, I don't – like, I think it's – like, I've had a bunch of people that I don't know and have never met and don't have any mutual followers reach out to me and say, hey, like, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Like, I think it's awesome, da-da-da. I generally don't know how to react to that other than just saying thank you because my natural reaction, which you understand it but some might not, is, like – I'm not doing anything that's really that special. Like you could do the exact same thing.
1: But you are because you're making connections with people like me who don't know you. And that is Uh really special because you could, you could be the reason that someone who is like, you know, who looks on the outside, like they have everything going, like you could be the reason that they got out of bed that day. Like you could be the reason that they decided, you know what, I am this really cool person. And you know, what I was going through doesn't matter anymore because this person gave me a voice for an hour.
0: Yeah. what you're doing is a lot
1: more special than what you think. Um, Just giving someone the opportunity to talk about themselves and they may seem perfect on the outside, but they're from what I've learned and even my life experiences, like just feeling heard for the first time is
0: really good. Okay. well, I didn't know that. So I just learned something new. <laughs> well, hopefully i made your <laughs> day a little bit yeah no you did I, I i greatly appreciate that i didn't know that and i'm over here all excited about the conor mcgregor poirier fight now now that I <laughs> <to someone. laughs> did you guy, watch and-
1: that really shitty aaron carter fight
0: no i didn't i definitely I i'm not gonna lie that. to you i watched the uh the logan paul floyd mayweather fight which fuck
1: that fight i'm so glad i didn't pay for that fight i, literally I didn't- watched it on tiktok
0: I mean, I can't. I can't say. I plead the fifth on whether I pay for it or not, in case the feds are listening. Um, so <laughs> there's your answer to that. But uh, let's just say this: and if he's listening, no disrespect, Logan, but if Floyd Mayweather was in his prime, prime, that fight doesn't last three rounds.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I just.
0: But they're geniuses. There's
1: no. They're way geniuses. That we knocked the heck out of him. Like Logan Paul was so exhausted after that like second round it was like okay he's just wearing himself out like Floyd's gonna knock him the hell out and that just didn't happen
0: no and that's the thing is that you're talking about someone that is like his hasn't boxed a full 10 years versus someone that's arguably the greatest ever
1: Mm,
0: yeah arguably being the key word arguably yeah I mean I don't like to, to I, I don't know, because he didn't go against, like, you know, like, it's just like UFC, like, some people are, like, Conor McGregor's the GOAT, it's like, okay, well, you didn't fight John Jones, and, like, fighting's different, it's not like a, like a Jordan-LeBron or Kobe-Jordan type debate, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but... You're
1: exactly, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I... <laughs> i love to hate the paul brothers i
0: will admit that but they're fucking geniuses they're making money doing doing, i I, love to
1: hate them it's because i fucking love them and i hate it
0: (laughs) no exact same thing it's like yeah we'll we'll save this for another day but that's how i am with kanye west like i i think the guy's guy's a fucking genius but everyone gets on me when i say that and they're just like he says out-of-pocket shit and it's like yeah I get all that, but if, like you really think about what he does, he's a fucking genius,
1: dude. I am on your. I am on your side. We could all take a page out of Kanye's book, okay? Like I freaking love him.
0: Yes, absolutely. So we'll end it on that. <laughs> right. So even though I said that three times, third time's a charm. So thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you have a great rest of your day, as well as a good weekend. And thank you so much for this opportunity, John.
0: Of course, anytime. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.